I'm a covenant man Living in the riches of my Lord and King I'm a covenant man Committed to Him in everything I do believe He'll come again And I know one thing I'm gonna do till then Is learn to live in the blessing of Abraham Hello everyone, I'm David Weeder and welcome to the Covenant Living Broadcast. Glory to God. I am so excited for two reasons. The first reason is I have my beautiful wife, Lynn, on the broadcast all this month. Glory to God. And that leads us to reason number two I'm excited. We will be teaching all this month out of the material contained in our new book, just released the diamond in your household of faith. Glory to God. This project is near and dear to us, although it's funny, marriage has always been something so close and precious to us. We, uh, we've kind of been known for our intensity <laughs> uh, in our marriage. The very first, we met when we were in, in college and the very first uh, year, I don't, were we, it was the first year of marriage. We, we were was, married actually yes. by then, yes. So um, they had the, the, one of the departments sponsored a marriage retreat. And uh, this is a Christian college. And so, you know, we thought, well, we're going to go and see what they've got to say about things. And get the free food, first year of marriage. First year of marriage, free food and a <laughs> night in a hotel. Hey, come on now. <laughs> That's worth going for. So, um, so we went to this marriage retreat. And um, one of the exercises that they had us do, it was so funny. Uh, they had us write down f five things, I think, that we appreciated about the other person. And then you were supposed to, you know, sit face to face in these chairs and, and tell each other what it was that you appreciated about the other. And so we wrote down our five things, you know, no big deal. This is just, I mean, we're just being us, you know. So it came to our turn and we turned the chairs toward each other and, and you were supposed to look, you know, look them in the eye and say the five things. So, you know, I don't, I don't remember which one of us went first, but uh, anyway... One of us went, and then the other one went. And it was so funny because we just kind of get locked into each other in, in situations like that, and everyone else kind of disappears. And we got done, and you know, we're kind of like, we're sitting there like, what's, uh, okay, what's next? Because there's not a sound in the room. And all of a sudden, the instructor that was leading that, that discussion went, did anyone else feel like they needed to leave the room? <laughs> It wasn't, this wasn't anything intimate in detail as far as what was being said, but the intensity between us was intimate. And it's always been that way. And our marriage has always been so precious. And people have always asked us, we'd be here in just, a, just another couple months, we'll be married 31 years. And uh, we've always had people come up and ask us what makes our marriage so special and, and what what can we tell their kids as they're getting married and things? And, you know, I, I never thought when I preach and when I teach, it's, it's, you know, word of faith. That's my heritage. That's my lineage and, and, and healing and faith and, and all of that. I never, ever thought that our first book <laughs> would be on marriage. I never really thought about writing a book to begin with, let alone on marriage. 
But the way this came about was so special to us. Um, as our son and now eldest daughter through the covenant blood of Jesus in marriage were getting together and they were making their plans and, and they make their wedding plans and they were planning the reception. They, they were at the house. <clears throat> they were at the house and Tessa, our, our daughter, asked us if, asked me if I would consider saying a few words at the wedding reception. And for some strange reason, laughter broke out amongst the family members. Now, I have yet to determine whether there was more laughter because she asked if I wanted to say something or perhaps more laughter because she used the term a few words. Apparently, I am not known for my brevity when it comes to teaching and preaching, and I'll just leave that right there. So we, we of course, I agreed immediately and uh, began seeking the Lord on what He wanted me to say at this such an important time, this, this coming together in covenant of marriage, what He wanted me to say. And so... Uh, is, is very interesting how it came about. I thought at first he started talking to me about, well, let me back up just a hair. Tessa, because of some unforeseen circumstances, ended up living with Lynn and I for about five months before she and Ryan got married. And there was uh, some situations going on in her life. Ryan had already moved to Colorado and he was attending Bible college there. And so she moved in with us and so I had an opportunity that most soon-to-be fathers don't have. I got to observe her very closely under some really bad circumstances. There was pressure coming against her from all different sides, from financial to family to school, to, I mean, just all kinds of things. And so I got to see how she responded to all of that pressure, and she did it biblically. And so when I started asking the Lord how he wanted me to, what he wanted me to say and how he wanted me to approach this, he started talking to me about diamonds. <laughs> and I was like, I, was, yeah, I have to admit, I was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. I was kind of like, Lord, okay, I get it. Stress, you know, stress makes diamonds. But, you know, golly, isn't that a little cliche? I mean, we hear all the time, pressure makes diamonds, you know. But the Lord is never cliche, and He always has a reason. And just because something does get overused occasionally, don't miss the principle behind it, because there's usually a very valid principle involved. And this turned out a lot more detailed than we ever would have imagined. Oh my goodness, it did. It did. I, I was reminded, and there's a section in at the beginning of the book uh, uh, called Author's Note, and it, it really deals with how you need to approach this book. Um, Brother Hagen, uh, Brother Kenneth E. Hagen, glory to God, he's in heaven now, but what a teacher, my, 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 my. He told of an experience when he was just starting out in ministry. He heard a uh, theological uh, uh, seminary instructor, I believe it was, talking about how when it comes to scriptural things and things of the Spirit and things of God, it's like climbing a mountain. 
and you climb up one side of the mountain and you've got this beautiful view and you've got certain particular trees and rock formations and maybe a stream and things like that. But if you climb the mountain up the other side, it's still gorgeous, but you're going to have a different view. There's going to be different trees involved, different rock formations. That's the thing. That's what it's like studying the Word. You may be looking at a scripture from a particular side of the mountain, and it looks one way, but yet at the same time, if you look at it from a different side of the mountain, you get something else out of it. Well, which one's right? They're both right. It just depends on what side of the mountain you happen to be on at the time. Well, and that's kind of like marriage. You have two people that have unique perspectives, and so I can give you feedback on what it looks like from over here, and you give me feedback on what it looks like from over there. Absolutely. That's exactly right. It's, it's a team, <laughs> very much a team. Um, the other thing about this book as you, as you approach it is, you know, if you're going to get everything that you can get out of a scripture, out of the a revelation in the Word of God, you've got to become a spiritual treasure hunter. I mean, you're looking under every rock, you're looking under every log, and, and that's what we do in this book. You'll notice as you go through this book that... Um, we look at the same scripture multiple times and it's not just for repetition. It's not just to take up space. Every time we look at a scripture, it's from a little different angle to get a little bit of different perspective to get a, gain another nugget of truth out of it. And so before we get into this study, I want to read uh, a verse for one thing, we're not going to get into the meat of the um, of our our base scriptures for the book, which are Proverbs 31, of course, and Isaiah 54. That one might surprise you a little bit. We're not going to get into those today. Today we're setting the stage. We're talking a little bit about the diamond, but one thing I do want to point out, you'll find in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, tells us in verse 15, to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now, look at this. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, if it is one topic, <laughs> or one of, it could be one of several, but anyway, this topic of a woman's place in the household of faith has been one of the most unrighteously divided scriptures for a couple centuries. Definitely. It really has. Particularly, well, I, was, I started to say particularly in the denominations, but... Even in so-called Pentecostal, Word of Faith, all of those, it still has been an unrighteously divided truth. And one of the most incorrectly taught chapters in the whole Bible, as far as I'm aware, is Proverbs 31. But you're going to have to stick around till tomorrow to find out about that. Today, we're going to go ahead and set the stage and we're going to talk about the diamond. I want to talk to you about the purpose of this book. As I already alluded, uh, 
it's a, it's out of a passion of ours from seeing so many marriage difficulties. And it stems to a large part, it comes from this misconception. And so I'm just going to read straight for this one section uh, out of our book, beginning in page 114, One Body. Let me remind you of what it says in Romans 12, 4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. The gift of each member depends upon the anointing, grace, and calling. This is the same pattern seen in Ephesians 4. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Remember, Jesus told us, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they, sh and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. The word translated flesh is literally body. Your marriage is a body one body. So we see what happens as every joint is fitted together. But what happens if the joints are out of place in the body? In writing this book, I spent a significant amount of time in prayer and meditation, and the Lord revealed something to me that I had never seen before. There was only one time in all of history when Jesus' physical body was sick and diseased and that was when he was on the cross bearing sickness and disease for us. At that point in time, his body was so sick and diseased that it could no longer function properly. The point of death. The prophet and psalmist David recorded the description in his physical, of his physical death in Psalm 22. It was indeed prophetic of what Jesus himself would say on the cross as he hung in excruciating physical pain and dysfunction. The psalm begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends with, It is finished, in the Amplified Classic Version. The prophetic psalm describes Jesus as his physical body was dying a severely painful death. I am poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. 
My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Of all the things that he could have described about his dysfunctional and dying body, it is significant that he said, All of my bones are out of joint. Now, this can certainly be applied to the body of Christ as a whole, but the functionality or lack thereof of the church, and, and the, excuse me, and the functionality or lack thereof of the church, however, it certainly applies to the body of your marriage relationship also. Each spouse must function in their particular place and grace. I'm going to say that again. Each spouse must function in their particular place and grace. Just as in Jesus' physical body, when the joints are out of place in your marriage, you can be sure that the body of your marriage will be sick. It may be in pain. It may be diseased. Your marriage body may even be so disjointed that it is at the point of no longer being able to function. But when each member is in their place, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When the diamond in your household of faith knows who and what she is, when she understands her God-ordained and assigned position and abilities, when the husband truly understands her abilities and position and gets out of her way, when he places the highest level of esteem and value possible on his virtuous diamond with which the Lord has blessed him, and when he understands his place and grace, then they shall enjoy life as heirs together. For one shall put a thousand to flight, but two shall put ten thousand to flight. Deuteronomy 32, 30. Because where two or three are gathered together in Jesus' name, then God is in the midst of it. Matthew 18, 20. Now you have the wife, the husband, and the I am all together. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, according to Ecclesiastes 4.12. But the, the uh, contemporary English version says this. Someone might be able to beat up one of you, but not both of you. As the saying goes, a rope made from three strands of cord is hard to break. It is, is it a, we go into, I go into this a little bit in a different part of the book, but one of our favorite movies is, is the movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's just, you know, that's just one of our favorite movies. And at the end of that movie, they're just back to back against impossible odds they're all, all the enemy is defeated and they are back to back facing out. This is Mr. and Smith 
Mr. and Mrs. Smith with the great I am supplying his power right in the middle of everything. Glory to God. It is time for the diamond to, uh, excuse me, it is, I got all excited about Mr. Mr. but lost my, lost my place. It is time for the diamond to live out Isaiah 54. Build that foundation by consulting with the Lord, putting his declarations in your mouth, mark your territory, and build your home. Shine, diamond, shine. That's a section out of the book. And it describes, really, one of the purposes of the book is to help people find out what those joints are. As every joint supplies by the grace in the place, and it's not cookie cutter. Different joints are, 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 are called to do different things. And we're, I'm getting way, I'm getting four, four episodes ahead <laughs> of myself here. But that is why, and it's, this, it's twofold. As I told my, my son and now daughter, there's, there's two purposes for this book. One is to raise the wife's concept of her place, her ability. There's far too many women, particularly in the body of Christ, that are always looking down. Their shoulders are slumped forward. And it's not self-esteem necessarily that we're looking for, but it is esteem and confidence in who God has created her to be. You're not a second-class citizen. He doesn't create second-class citizens. And part of that is her trying to be somebody she's really not. And I'm not talking about raising her vision and raising her abilities, but if you're trying to be like what you think everybody thinks you should be, there's constant defeat in it because that's not who you are. That's right. And if you're not operating in your calling, then you're not operating in your grace. You're not operating your anointing and nothing is successful. Glory to God. And it's going to be a fun second, part, second of part of that. <clears throat> not only to, to raise the vision and concept uh, of the wife, but also to teach the husband what this is that God has blessed you with in this marriage. This is exceedingly precious. It's God's daughter for one thing. Come on now. You know, you think, you think it was tough, you know, knocking on the door and meeting the dad in the natural. This is God's daughter you're dealing with. So that's the purpose of the book. It's going to be a fun time. Um, the Lord... The, the way the diamond came about was when the Lord took me to Proverbs 31, and it talks about who can find a virtuous woman. Her price is far more precious, and it depends on which translation you're reading, pearls or, or you know, or, or um, uh, I believe one says sapphires. And the Lord spoke up inside of me, and he said, what is the most precious gemstone on earth. And after all of these centuries, it's still the diamond. The diamond is the top. And so then he took me over to Isaiah 54, which shocked me because for years, you know, we've dealt with Isaiah 54 on, you know, great shall be the peace of your children and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But he started showing me things 
in, the, in, the, in Isaiah 54 about foundations and windows and pillars and gates, and it's a home. He's talking about a home. And then he, he talks about all the gemstones that are in the foundation and what the windows are made out of and things like that. And all these gemstones, and the Lord told me, he said, but the diamond is at the top. The diamond is the top gem that places all of the other gems in her home, in her foundations, in her windows, and builds her home. And there's so much goes into diamonds, even from a natural standpoint. You know, you've got the, the things that determine the value and level of a diamond. You've got the cut, which a multifaceted cut, the more cuts and facets that a diamond has, the, the higher value it has. The color affects the value. The clarity of the diamond affects the color. The carat or the weight, they all affect the diamond. So you can have diamonds in the rough. You can have, you know, diamonds that are half done. You can have unpolished diamonds. But God designed the wife to be the diamond in the household of faith. And when he cuts the diamond, its brilliance is unmatched. And then it goes over into the husband's responsibility mm -hmm. of the setting. Mm -hmm. Does he help yeah. her shine? Does he keep her secure? That's exactly right. That's, those are the two functions of a setting in a diamond. Number one is aesthetics, brilliance, you know, because the setting enhances the brilliance. But number two is a functional setting because you do not want to, this is the most valuable thing you've got. You do not want to lose this most valuable asset in your home. The setting has got to be secure. And you've got to make sure that the setting for your diamond in your household feels secure. If the setting is not secure, it can wobble. It can be unstable. Or it can leave. <laughs> or it can fall out. <laughs> and gentlemen, trust me. You don't want any of those. You want a solid diamond because when your diamond's solid, that's when it reflects the light. That's when it's in a position to set the other stones underneath. Glory to God. Wow. This is going to be fun. Yes. We've had a lot of experience over the years, um, which, like I said, I was as shocked as anybody that I, I got to write this book and that it would be the first book. But when I shared the revelation of Proverbs 31 with uh, 54, my spiritual father said, you have got to write a book on this. And uh, actually he said a mini book. And then he stepped back, grinned and said, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Lord pulled a whole book out of it. And that, you know, there's just no arguing with him because it usually turns out to be exactly what the Lord <laughs> told him. And that's exactly the way it turned out. And we we're so pleased we're so blessed to be able to offer this to you, the revelations that are in it. And so we're going to dig into this next time, get into the meat of the book. But until then, we want to remind you that Lynn and I love you so much. God loves you. He's always for you, never against you. And Jesus is Lord. The diamond in your household of faith should be required reading for every Christian couple. 
Dr. David Weeder writes in great detail to help you understand the worth and value of one of God's greatest gifts. You'll learn how valuable the virtuous, prudent, and good wife is in the sight of God. Knowing the proper place of a woman and the relationship between husband and wife is the only way we can truly be effective. Find out the secret to a healthy, amazing marriage in the diamond in your household of faith. Order your copy today at davidweeder.org. Thank you partners and friends for helping make this broadcast possible. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram. You can also listen to our broadcast on iTunes. For more information about our ministry, contact us at davidweeder.org or call us at 1-800-988-5380. Join us again next time on the Covenant Living Broadcast. On the covenant.